Today, uh, I get to talk to you about one of the things I'm most passionate about. Last week, I told you I talked about the, my favorite topic. Uh, so you know it's like you got like your favorite kid. Uh, like each kid is your favorite in a different way. Well, last week was my favorite message. This week's my favorite message too. Uh, like they're like, the, they're like neck and neck. Uh, today, we get to talk about making room for the lost. Um, I love seeing people come to Jesus. It is one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world. It never gets old. It fires me up. Uh, and the amazing thing is that God in his sovereignty and his wisdom has picked us to reach people. He could send his angels. He could just talk to them directly through his Holy Spirit. God could do it any way he wanted to. But he looked down and said, I want you to help me do this. And that may seem intimidating. That may seem a little bit scary. But can I tell you, it is the most fulfilling, most incredible thing when you know that God used you to bring somebody from darkness into light. There is nothing in the world like it. And I believe we all have that opportunity. I believe we all have actually that calling. It's not just an opportunity. It's a responsibility. We've talked about a lot of things throughout this series that we're finishing up today that that certain people are going to be more prone to than others, right? Like some of us are just more naturally givers. Um, And we've got this giving campaign going on, the Make Room giving campaign. I want to remind you about that, to be praying over that. We're going to be turning in those cards on April 30th. If you haven't got one, those are at the Connection Centers as well. Um, some people are a little more natural at worship than others, right? Some of us are a little more natural at serving than others, at praying, at reading the word. Like we've talked about all these things where some of us just have a strength, some of us may have a weakness. And today's message is going to be the same. Some of us are soul winners, right? Some of us have an evangelistic gifting. It's in your blood. It's in your DNA. You're just natural at this. And some of you are like, this is like the most scary, intimidating, hardest thing I can imagine. The reality is, yes, God is going to use some of us to win more than others, but I believe he wants to use all of us to win somebody. I believe all of us have a role, have a responsibility in sharing our faith. And so I want to start out today by telling you one of my favorite salvation stories. Years ago, there was a man who was very far from God. (laughs) And this man was broken. He was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. He was addicted to pornography. He was sleeping around. He was doing all the things that the world has to offer. Uh, And somebody started witnessing to him. Uh, And this person who started witnessing to him invited him to church. Uh, And so she shared faith with him for a few weeks and invited him to church. And finally he said, okay, I'll, I'll go to church. And so he comes to church with her, still very, very far from God. And he senses the presence And the power of God at church. He knows. In fact, he looks at his son who's with him, and he said, Jesus is here. And his son says, how do you know, Dad? And he says, well, I don't know, but these people know. He could tell. By the way, they loved each other. By the way, they worshipped. He said there were men with their arms around each other. And I'd seen men with their arms around each other, but they weren't worshipping. They weren't praying like that. It looked different what I had seen going on. There's just something about this place. So he said, Jesus is here. And so... Long story short, he didn't get saved that day. He had the opportunity, and he wrestled with it, but he was not ready to take that step. He actually got saved that week. Uh, That week, he he went out to the bar and got completely lit like he always did and had, he said, that the greatest night he'd ever had on the pool table. Uh, He said he was just working people. He said there was, like, voices communicating to him. He said he was so drunk he couldn't even see the pool balls, but somehow every shot went in. Um, And it was like the enemy was just saying, this is everything I have to offer you. And he got home that night, 
conviction of the Holy Spirit hit him, and he broke. And he got down on his knees, and he said, God, I know that you're there. I just don't know how to get from where I am to where you are. If you'll show me, I'll follow you. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit went from on him to in him. And he set him free, and he broke the power of alcohol, and the power of drugs, the power of pornography. He actually, he went and he got his stack of porn. This was before porn was all over the internet. It's when you actually had to go purchase it and bring it into your home. And he went and got it, and, and he threw it all in the fireplace. And he said, where well, I had been consumed with lust for these women. Now I was consumed with compassion for them for their brokenness, that they just didn't know how loved they really were, that they needed to pursue attention this way, that there was something so much greater for them. Like everything changed as he received Jesus. And many of you know where this story goes. He went on to marry that woman, and about a year later, they had a baby, and that baby stands on this stage today. It's my dad's story. And I've never shared that story since my mom passed. It's my first time telling you about the legacy of this woman who's now with Jesus. She's now in heaven. She loved Jesus enough. She loved my dad enough when he was broken, when he was far from God, to tell him about Jesus. And this was not missionary dating. She didn't date him to Jesus. She got him to Jesus and then dated him later uh, after he was walking through discipleship and had come to some maturity in the faith. And they took that step and and, and I came along. I literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for someone telling somebody about Jesus. And I'm so grateful for that legacy. I'm so grateful that my dad stands right before God today. My, my older brother and sister knew a different David Souden than I, never, than I ever knew. I never had to know Dave the alcoholic. I never had to know David the drug addict. I never had to know the guy who would leave all night long and leave a babysitter at the house while he went and got wasted. I never knew that guy. I knew the dad that was attentive. I knew the dad that was there for us. I knew the dad that worshipped. I knew the dad who gave. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't flawless. But he was a man of God. He still is a man of God because somebody loved him enough to tell him about Jesus. You have that same chance. I promise my mom was not super Christian. My mom was not perfect. My mom was not flawless. She had her own brokenness and her own insecurities and her own issues. But she still stepped out and opened her mouth and told somebody about Jesus and even invited him to church. And so I want to talk to you today about making room for the lost. We're going to turn in our Bibles, if you have it, to Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, we find... One of my favorite parables in Scripture. Jesus used things called parables. You're probably familiar, but just in case you're not, uh, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, it's a story that is hypothetical. These things weren't literal things that happened, uh, but it was a story that Jesus used to illustrate something about God's kingdom to teach us through symbols about God's kingdom. And so in Luke 14, it says, when one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, so Jesus is, is sitting down to a meal, right? He, he's connecting with people. He's relating to people. Uh, and one of them heard what he was talking about, and they said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast 
in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I think it's cool that there's going to be food in heaven. Uh, there's there's going to be a banquet in heaven, and I just I just have a feeling God's food is just better, uh, right? There, 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 there's no cholesterol. There's no calories. Uh, there, there, there's no pesticides and steroids and all the junk in our American diet. Like, it, it's not in heaven. And so there's a feast in heaven. Hallelujah. Uh, so just to give you this thought, heaven is awesome. Uh, I just think that that's something we need to know, we need to celebrate, we need to be aware of as believers that heaven is an awesome place to be. So in Luke 14, uh, moving on, verse 16, Jesus replied to this man who says, hey, blessed is the one who's going to be at the kingdom. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Amen. We're all blessed. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Spoiler alert, the certain man is the father. In heaven, he's God, okay? And God is preparing a great banquet. God's banquets are not mediocre. Uh, they're, they're not so-so. They're not, man, it was cool. I'm glad that I went. Like, God's banquet is the best banquet. It's the greatest banquet. He's preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. Everybody say many. many. Aren't you glad we got a God who invites? We have a God who extends an invitation. Aren't you grateful God extended an invitation to you? so grateful for that. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes today. God is thinking about the lost. See, this process of discipleship, this process of sanctification, of maturing in the faith is becoming less like ourselves and more like Jesus, more like the Father. And so if God is thinking about the lost, then what does that imply for us? We should be thinking about the lost. Not a trick question. Y'all got it. Y'all are on it, right? God is thinking about the lost. I'm so grateful for a God who thought about me. I'm so grateful for a God who recognized me in my sin and said, I love you, and I'm creating a way for you to come out of that and to come to me. I want to share with you today three thoughts about the lost, three thoughts from the story of this great banquet, the things that we need to know about the lost. I'm going to give you some other thoughts as well, but I'm going to give you three numbered points. So the first one is this, the lost must be invited. They must. The lost must be invited. Now, when I say invited, we're going to talk today in, in, in the context of inviting somebody to Easter service, because that's what's coming. But please understand, what we're talking about here in the parable is not just an invitation to church, it's an invitation to the family of God. Uh, there are people, and it's going to can increase and be more and more as we move forward, there are people who will never come to church. And so if all we do to evangelize is invite people to church, there are people who will never meet Jesus. Uh, and so we need to be aware of that, that we have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. We have a responsibility to share Jesus with people in the streets, in the workplace, in the school, in the neighborhood, in the family. That this isn't just about get them to church so the, the pastor can get them saved. Get them to church so the, the children's pastor, the children's director can get them saved, or the teacher. Like, this is the, I mean, I've got a responsibility to tell somebody about Jesus. But in America, especially in the South, we have a culture that oftentimes reflects and, and, and comes to a recognition of Jesus, especially particularly two times a year at Christmas and Easter. Uh, and so there's a lot of people who are far from God, maybe have experienced God a tiny bit, maybe grew up in church, maybe have fallen away, whatever the situation may be is, but they'll go to church Christmas and Easter when they won't usually go any other time. Uh, and so part of inviting 
is to take advantage when, when it's easy, when it's natural, when, when people are going to respond. So that's why you have some invite cards in your seat. Uh, but the lost must be invited. We all have a responsibility to tell the lost about Jesus, and we have to invite them. Verse 17, moving forward in the story, it says, At the time of the banquet, he, he being God, sent his servant to those who already had been invited. Who are the ones who had already been invited? This is, he's representing the Jews here. The Jews had already been included. They were God's chosen people. They'd been given the access to the kingdom uh, at this point in time to the exclusion of others. Uh, and so God sent his servant. Who's his servant? The servant in this story is Jesus. He sent Jesus to those who had been invited. He was sent to the Jews. And he said, come for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but. We talked about some beautiful big butts in the Bible earlier. or At the end of last year, this is not one of those beautiful butts. Uh, this is one of those like Walmart butts, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I don't know about you, but uh, I know you got to spend a lot of time looking out at the field. Uh, I mean, when you got a field, you don't have time to do anything else. I'm just kidding. That's sarcasm. I don't understand this particular excuse, but this person said, hey, I just made this investment, and I've got to go deal with what I've invested in. Verse 19, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Very relevant illustration in modern-day America. All of us have our five oxen at the house and can't wait to try them out. How do you try out an oxen? Uh, you don't ride an oxen. I'm not even sure. Like, the modern equivalent of this, hey, I just bought a car, and i got to go test drive it, right? Uh, like, I, I've got this transportation. So he says, please excuse me. I can't make it. I don't have time. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Notice the excuses here. The excuses are all earthly things. See, earthly things prevent us from heavenly purpose. There's nothing wrong with having a field. There's nothing wrong with having five oxen, if that's your thing. Uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with getting married. But if we're not careful, we allow the things that we see to distract us from the thing that we don't see that's most important. And we make excuses about, I got to deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. Why we talk about, like, you, God wants you to have possessions, but he don't want, doesn't want possessions to have you. God wants you to have family. But he doesn't want family to be more important even than the most important thing. And that can be a really hard thing because we think, man, prioritizing family is important, and it is. But how about instead of, hey, I just got married, so I can't come, it's, hey, I just got married, can I bring a plus one, right? Like, can, can, can I make room for them? Just the amazing thing is that God's already made room. God's made room for everybody. Heaven is plenty of space. It's crowded because there's a lot of people there, but there's room for more. There's always room for more. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Jesus has a conversation with the father. Then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly. Everybody say quickly. quickly. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the time and bring. Everybody say bring. bring. And bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. What I want you to see this morning is there is an urgency for us to reach the lost. The father says go quickly. 
Not go when you get around to it. Not go when it's convenient. Not go when it gets easy. Not go when you reach a place of spiritual maturity where you're confident in your faith. Not go when you've memorized all the verses. Not go when you've defeated all of your struggles and all of your issues with sin so that now you're worthy of sharing your faith. He says, go quickly. We talk a lot about how you're free to struggle here. And there's two reasons why we talk about that. One is because all of us deal with shame and condemnation. And we need to know none of us have it all together. Okay, so you're free to be here even if you've got issues. You're free to serve here even if you've got struggles. None of us have this thing mastered, certainly myself included. And so we've all got our struggle, and we're working through that struggle. We're not content with it. We're not happy with it. We're chasing after God's best together even in the midst of a struggle. But, but the other reason why we say that is because you need to know your struggle doesn't excuse you from the mission. The enemy wants to tell you you're not good enough. The enemy wants to tell you you can't be used by God. He wants to tell all of us that. He wants to tell you you're not at a place. Man, those people on the stage, they got it all together. I know all of them. We don't, Right? He wants to create this picture of all these holy people, and you're the unholy one. And the reality is my holiness is not from me. It's from Jesus, and so is yours. So please don't use the excuse that, well, I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. I haven't figured this thing out. That's for somebody else. If we all had that attitude, nobody would ever come to Jesus. If my mom used that excuse, my dad would have never met Jesus. I would have never been here if she would have let her brokenness and her weakness and her struggle and her doubt and her insecurity keep her from opening her mouth. There is an urgency to reach the lost. The Father says, go quickly. We're in a really cool season at City Church. People have been getting saved. We've had 13 people get saved in the last six weeks between our Sunday mornings and our Wednesday nights. And that's awesome. That's awesome. We, we had our largest attendance of the year last week. Man, it was attendance isn't everything. We don't do this based on attendance. But every person in that room, every person in this room right now counts because that's a soul. That's somebody that Jesus loves. That's somebody that Jesus has a purpose for. So we get excited when more people are getting mobilized, when more people are coming. Now, understand this. That is not going to last very long because next week is going to be our biggest attendance of the year. It's just the way that it works. People show up for Easter. So that's a, that's a two-week little mini record for 2023. It ain't going to last long. Uh, but, but we celebrate it. We're grateful for it. But simply showing up is just the first step. Now we got to take the mission out there. Now we got to take a mission to the lost. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this morning. Would you grab those invite cards in your seat and stand up with me? You've got five invite cards because some of you are more equipped for this than others. Here's all I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to invite one person. Just one person. Now, if you are an overachiever, invite five. If you're an extra overachiever, there's more cards at the connection centers. Grab them and, and, and spread it. But I'm going to ask everybody in the room to invite one person. Uh, and not somebody who's already here. Teresa, nice try. Uh, somebody who's not part of the church family. Uh, thank you for helping me address that in case anybody else had that same idea. Uh, 
Somebody who's not a part of, not just of this church family, somebody who's not a part of a church family. This is not go get somebody else from their church. Let them worship. Let them be plugged in. Let them be connected. This is get somebody who needs a church family, somebody who needs Jesus. So we're going to pray over these cards, and then we're going to talk about what we're going to do next. Would you go with me? And, and as you, if you already know who you're going to invite, pray for that person by name. If you already know multiples you're going to invite, pray for them by name. If you don't know, ask God to give you a name. Father God, we come to you right now. And I thank you for what you've been doing in our church lately. I thank you for 13 lives who've come to Jesus. God, we celebrate that. We ask that you help them to continue to, to get plugged in and connected and discipled. We thank you for those who are getting baptized here in a couple of weeks as they come out in their faith and let the world know they're following Jesus. But God, we know there's more. We know that you have made room for more, that heaven has room for more. And so we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would use each one to find one. God, each of us to invite someone, God, because the lost need an invitation. The broken need an invitation. The hurt, the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled, they need an invitation, God. And so use us. Holy Spirit, use each of us. Give us someone to pursue, someone to invite, someone to go after. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name that you're going to bring salvation. That you're going to do what only you can do. God, a church cannot save. A service cannot save. Worship cannot save in and of itself. Only your Holy Spirit moving can save. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to move. Move in our hearts right now. Move in our midst next Sunday. God, bring salvation even for those like my dad who won't actually get saved in the service, but something will be activated in their heart as they experience the presence and the power of God that they're going to meet Jesus on their own that week. God, we believe for salvation through what we're going to do over this next week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Now, that wasn't the weird part. We do this almost every year. We pray over the cards for Christmas, for Easter, because we believe there's power in that. Here comes the big ask. I'm going to ask you to invite somebody this morning. Go ahead and grab your smartphone. Grab your phone. I'm going to ask you to send somebody a text message right now and just say, hey, Man, if you don't have plans for Easter Sunday, we'd love for you to come and worship with us. In fact, we've got some sample text messages. We'll go ahead and put this first one on the screen. Here's a sample for you as you're thinking about who you might send a text to. Uh, here's one thing you could say. You say, hey, Easter Sunday's next week. Do you guys have plans? Love for you to come to church and lunch with us if you don't. Notice I put lunch in there. Now, you may already have Easter lunch plans, and you can't invite somebody to that. I understand. Uh, that's a possibility. If you need to delete the lunch part, you're empowered to delete the lunch part, but I would say this, God's inviting us to a great banquet, right? Like there's literally food tied into this illustration, into this parable, into this story. And even if you can't do it for Easter Sunday, there's a chance for you to invite somebody other times. Uh, and it's powerful if you can say, hey, let's go grab lunch. In fact, if you can even say, hey, we're going to buy lunch. It's hard to say no if you're telling somebody they're buying lunch, man. We'll do a lot of things for a free meal that we wouldn't necessarily do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with bribing somebody into heaven. I just don't. Uh, Jesus puts all kinds of blessings on becoming part of the kingdom. He says there's all kinds of stuff available. And so if you got to do that, man, let the Holy Spirit speak through you. So that's one example. I'll give you another example. Uh, Easter weekend is one of the most fun for my family, especially our kids. Go ahead and put example two up, please. Um, we'd love for you and your kids to join us for Easter service next Sunday, can you make it? So that's obviously for a family. That's a family with kids to the age kids. Uh, you can put that out there. That may be the perfect text 
for, for somebody that you know. Um, I'll go ahead and give you one third example, and then you can figure out, and you can modify these and use them however you see fit. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Uh, but hey, insert their first name. It's always good to use names, because then it's not like, hey, I sent a max text or copy-pasted it. Like, you're sending it specifically to them. Um, I'm sitting in church this morning. Honest statement, right? Uh, if you're worshiping with us online, you might have to edit that. Uh, but uh, the rest of us can say that. I'm sitting at church this morning, and I realize Easter is next week. If you don't have plans, I'd love for you to come sit with me at City Church. Are you free April 9th? Empowering them to come sit with you. One of the biggest fears people have about coming to church is sitting by themselves. Uh, is feeling that awkwardness of not being able to be with somebody. Now, you might be scheduled in Kids City next week. You might be in the media booth. You might be in a spot where you can't say, come sit with me. Um, but for the rest of us, man, I, I, I actually can't do that. I shouldn't say the rest of us. For the rest of y'all, I can't say, come sit with me, because I'm not going to be sitting most of the service. Uh, but most of you can probably say that. So modify those as you need. See, figure it out. If you don't know who to text, it's okay. Um, we just want to begin to empower you to think through, how can I invite somebody? And the beautiful thing is, if you do the text message invitation, you still got five of these left. So you still got opportunities uh, and these in your hand. Now, it, it, it counts, but it doesn't count. Like you, I'm not, I told you you don't have to use all five of these invitations unless God gives you the opportunity. I'm just asking you to invite one. So if all you do is send the text, that's your invitation. But I think God's going to give you more opportunities. So the lost must be invited. Secondly, the lost must be brought. The lost must be brought. Look at verse 22. Luke 14, 22 says this. He says, Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There's still room. So we have already seen, sorry, let's go back to verse 21. Let me make sure and hit that. It says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor. So he said, first he said invite, then he said bring. And so bringing is a little more active than invite. Invite is what you just did with the text message. Bring is actually eliminating the excuse of transportation. It might be a teenager. It might be a neighbor kid. It might be an elderly person. It might just be somebody whose transportation is, is shot. Um, or it might just be somebody that needs the accountability of, hey, I'm going to pick you up. Uh, I talked to a guy who has been at Man Up the last couple of weeks at 6 in the morning, uh, and he's actually another one of our men has picked him up, and he's like, man, I'll be honest. If it wasn't for the accountability of I knew he was coming, I'd probably still be in bed. But I'm here because I knew that somebody was coming to my house to pick me up. And so there's power in the bring. Now, you may not have room in your vehicle, or you may have to be here at 7.30 for worship. I, I get that there's reasons why you can't always bring somebody, but there's also reasons why we can. And so if you're in that position where you can bring, man, let's bring them. Um, let's bring them along. Again, this isn't just about coming to church. This is bringing them into the kingdom, right? This is coming alongside them and making sure they get from point A to point B, seeing them to the place where they need to be the lost must be brought. All right, now to verse 22. Uh, Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. Everybody say there's still room. room. Aren't you glad there is still room? We need to make room for God to move, but please, please, please make no mistake, God still has room for us to move. God has already made room. Jesus has already made room. The action has already been taken. The space has already been cleared out. We don't have to wait on God to make room for anybody to come to Jesus. He's ready. He's ready. The room is there. There is still room. As long as Jesus hasn't returned, there's still room. The time is not up. It's short. There's an urgency. There's a quickness, but it's not over. 
And so we need to respond. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel. Everybody say compel. Compel means to find a reason that they can't turn down. Compel them. May give them an, an offer that they can't refuse. I don't mean a threat. Uh, not, not in a godfather sort of way. But, but find a reason why they cannot say no. All right, man, this irresistible offer. That might be the free lunch. That might be the ride. That may be something totally different. But compel them. Jesus said that we got to become fishers of men. A fisher understands what the right bait is for the right fish. Right? And so your family, your coworker, your fellow student, whoever it is that you're going after, they're going to respond to something different than this other person that somebody else is going for. That's why each of us is in charge of this. That's why it's not just one person whose job is to go win Jesus, because each of us has a different circle of friends, because each of us has a different sphere of influence, and we're the ones who get into their world and understand what they need. So compel them to come in. Why? So that God's house may be full. Now, again, this isn't just a a statement about a church service. Obviously, as a pastor, I get excited for a full house. This is a statement about heaven. Seen some of you wearing shirts lately say, make heaven crowded. I think that's a cool statement. I want heaven to be crowded. I want God's house to be full. I don't want anybody to miss out on the opportunity to spend eternity in joy and in peace and in the presence of God. And I know if you're a believer, your heart beats for the same thing. There's something in you that leaps at that. There's something in you that that desires that lost peace person in your world to come to Christ. And it may be a little scary and it may be a little intimidating, but there's something in you that says yes. There's something in your spirit that leaps, that wants to see this happen. So the lost must be invited, number one. The lost must be brought, number two. Number three, the lost must be compelled to come to Jesus. The lost must be compelled to Jesus. What's the compelling reason? Maybe it's your testimony. Maybe it's what God's done in your life. Maybe it's what God's done in your family. Maybe it's the way that you've seen the impact on someone that you love But man, there's a compelling reason. That compelling reason isn't always just simple, basic, earthly things like food and transportation. Oftentimes, that compelling reason is something far deeper, the peace that passes understanding of knowing, even in the midst of a car accident, that God's going to provide, that we're going to be okay, that God's going to see us through. What's God done for you? What's Jesus done for you that's giving you a compelling reason to share your faith? Allah must be invited They must be brought, and they must be compelled to come to Jesus. God's heart beats for the lost. He is thinking about the lost. I believe that his heart breaks for the lost. I believe it broke for you when you were dead in your sin and in your transgressions. And thank God he sent Jesus, and somebody invited you. Somebody brought you. Somebody compelled you along in your faith. And the reality is for most of us, it was actually a lot of somebodies who played a part in our lives. There was a lot of people who sowed seed and watered seed, but God is the one who gave the increase. Most of our stories are more complex than just one person. Even my dad, I'm sure his story is more complex than than one person who got on his bus carrying a 45-pound Bible who couldn't stop talking about Jesus. play a part in somebody's story.
I can't wait till we get into eternity to find out all the people we impacted that we had no idea about. All the people because of our giving that got saved on the other side of the world. All, all the people because of our testimony who didn't come to Jesus in the moment when we had the conversation or we asked them, would you like to receive Christ? But that seed was sown. And later on down the road, God brought that conversation back to their remembrance. And they gave their life to Christ. And maybe we lost touch. Maybe they never even told us about it. But we're going to find out in eternity that they made it because God used you. Because you told them. Because you did something as simple saying, hey, you want to come to church next Sunday? It's Easter. Come join us. Now, you can invite them to Good Friday service. You can invite them to the block party. All of those things are on this invite card. Uh, and each of those things are going to point them towards our Easter service because we believe people are coming to Jesus because we want to see God's house full because we want to see God's house full because every single soul matters. Amen?